verses 21 through 24. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you please meet me at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul finishes his letter by writing this. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. Let's pray. And our Heavenly Father, we pray that our own hearts might be encouraged as we turn now to this book for the last time in this series. We pray, Lord, that you would give us all that we need to receive the implanted word and to be made wise for salvation. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Nine months And 24 sermons ago, we began a study in Ephesians. I began the series by telling you about a prediction that someone made at the end of the last century. He said this, The 20th century has been the age of the self. But my prediction is that the age of the self will give way to the age of astronomy. The world of the self is small, he said. And since the likelihood is that the mass of humanity will not give heed to God, it will have to find a better substitute than the self. And that substitute might be astronomy. Why? Well, because the universe is big. And that was really my way of setting up the main point of Ephesians for us, which is that the church is God's new creation, designed in eternity, bought at Calvary, and displayed in community, which means if you belong to Jesus and his church, you belong to an entity more marvelous, more wonderful than the universe itself. The the 100 billion stars in our galaxy and the estimated 100 billion galaxies in our universe all belong to God's first creation. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is God's new creation. And we've seen in our study of this amazing book of the Bible that Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 have told us how the church came to be, and that chapters 4 to 6 tell us how the church is to be. 
That is how we're to function, how we're to operate, how we're to be as God's new creation, even within this old creation. And so in that way, Ephesians has told us that there are really two sources of God's blessing. There is God's direct blessing. God predestined us. God adopted us. God redeemed us. God reconciled us to himself. And then there is God's indirect blessing when the church of Christ relate to one another as the new creation. When, when husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When wives gladly submit to the loving, selfless, and sacrificial leadership of their husbands. When children obey their parents in the Lord, and when parents refrain from provoking their children to anger. And as we look at the final four verses of Ephesians today, amazingly, both of those two mega-themes are pulled together. Both God's direct blessing and God's indirect blessing through his people are contained within the remaining four verses of Ephesians. Today is going to be like Ephesians in miniature, as it were. And Lord willing, we're going to see number one, blessing via Tychicus. He was a, a believer, a member of God's new creation. And then number two, blessing via God. But friends, before we do that, before we come to our Concluding four verses, I've got a favor to, to ask of us all today. And that is this, please don't leave this book or the truths in this book in your past, carry them into your future. Do you know, I, I am concerned that perhaps for some of us, uh, we view books of the Bible a little bit like flavors of ice cream. So we, we've had strawberry now for nine months, time to move on to something else. But Ephesians isn't like a flavor of ice cream. It's more like a picture of your wife that you look at when you're in, at war. In other words, we need to hold on to this truth, to this book of the Bible. And if we're bored with it, it's because we're in love with someone else. But friends, in reality, we never outgrow our need for the truths of this book of the Bible. They are beautiful. They are all that we need for life and godliness. And so may God help us now as we come to these four last verses of this Holy Spirit-inspired letter. Number one, we're going to see blessing via Tychicus. Look again at verses 21 and 22. Paul writes there, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, we don't know a lot about Tychicus, but we know some things. We know that Tychicus had both received blessing and could be trusted to deliver blessing. Tychicus had received the greatest blessing of all, salvation in Jesus Christ. You see that Paul describes him there in verse 21 as the beloved brother. 
And, and given what we know of Tychicus from the book of Acts, it seems likely that he became a brother in Christ under Paul's ministry in the city of Ephesus. He was from that region, we're told, and he becomes a traveling companion of Paul immediately after Paul's ministry in Ephesus. But regardless of how it happened, regardless of how he heard it, Tychicus heard the gospel. He heard the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The good news that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He heard the good news that Christ Jesus died for our sins, rose for our justification, and today saves to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He heard the gospel, he believed the gospel, and it changed his life forever. But, but not only had Tychicus received the gospel, Tychicus was a faithful minister of the gospel. Verse 21 again, a faithful minister in the Lord. And we saw that for ourselves, didn't we? As we trekked our way through the book of Acts, Paul moved on from the city of Ephesus in chapter 20, headed for Macedonia, then went to Greece, then had to go all the way back through Macedonia. And of the seven men who accompanied Paul, Tychicus was one. Here then was a man who had received blessing and could be trusted to deliver blessing to God's people. It's interesting, Cicero, the Roman statesman, lawyer, scholar, philosopher, writer, around this time, he said this, I have been slow about sending a letter for lack of a safe messenger. Translation, the postmen around here are dodgy and I don't trust them. But this beloved brother, this faithful minister in the Lord was just the postman that Paul needed to deliver blessing to the church. And what was that blessing to the church? It was news of Paul's well-being and his labors in the gospel of Christ. That would be the news to encourage the church's hearts. Uh, you heard me read these verses last Sunday morning, but just hear them again. The last two verses of Acts tell us what Paul was doing at this time. It says, he, Paul, lived there two whole years, and that was under house arrest in Rome, at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And Paul believed that Tychicus was the man who could be trusted to deliver the blessing of that news to the Ephesian church. And so friends, hear me as I say this. If you have received the blessing of salvation, and if you can be trusted to deliver blessing to God's people, then God can use you to encourage the hearts of his people. And in this bad news, that is an unspeakable privilege. The reality is, Tychicus was a little bit like us. He, he wasn't a somebody. Luke records no miracles performed by Tychicus in the book of Acts, no ministerial feats that would go down in history and be remembered for all time. But as one who had received blessing, and as one who could be trusted to deliver blessing, immense good could be done in the hearts of the Ephesians. And therefore, again, if you have received the blessing of salvation in Christ. And if you can be trusted to deliver blessing to others, God can use you to do far more abundantly than all you could ever ask, think, dream, or imagine in people's lives. You may never be considered a somebody, 
in the eyes of the world, but if you will be a conduit of blessing, then encouragement will be given to God's people and glory will be given to God. And that is what it is all about at the end of the day. Someone said this, for the loss of a nail, lose a horseshoe. For the loss of a horseshoe, lose a horse. For the loss of a horse, lose a soldier. For the loss of a soldier, lose a battle. For the loss of a battle, lose a kingdom. Do you get it? Small objects can have a big impact. And we are small. But if we have received the blessing of salvation in Christ and can be trusted to bestow blessing on others, then God can use us wonderfully. And in our world of bad news, that is a glory. So at this point in this message, I want to put pause in this sermon And I need to ask you, have you received the blessing of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ? If if the Apostle Paul was writing an email from Hoylake to a church in Liverpool, would he identify you as the beloved brother or the beloved sister in Christ? Has the Holy Spirit convicted you of the evil of your sin in view of the infinite good and infinite holiness of God? And has he convinced you that Jesus Christ loved you and gave himself for you? Has he convinced you that Christ was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities and that the chastisement that was upon him has now given you peace? Peace with God, peace within your soul and peace within, uh, w- with others. And if he has, can God now trust you to bless others? In other words, is your character marked by faithfulness to the kingdom of God and fidelity to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, friend, if so, then in the nicest way possible, get on with it. Encourage the hearts of God's people, no matter the cost to you. You know, a year or so ago, I was contacted by a, a faithful minister of the Lord, just like Tychicus, and he used to pastor a church in a nearby town to where I served as an assistant 10 plus years ago. He's recently retired, and he, he could be spending his life now just taking it easy and, and, and living the good life uh, now that he's no longer in the, on the front line of battle in the church. But instead, what he's doing is spending his time pastoring pastors. And wonderfully, by the grace of God, I am one of the people that he offers a a listening ear to and prays with from time to time on the phone. And there was one day where we'd arranged for him to drive all the way from West Yorkshire to Hoy Lake to sit down with me for us to have a time of prayer. And because I'm such a genius, uh, I forgot to put that in my calendar. So I was out visiting one of you, and he was driving around Hoylake and knocking on churches like St. Hildeburg's, trying to figure out how he could get in touch with me. Well, I pulled out my phone at the end of that meeting, uh, saw all his texts and missed calls, rushed back to the church building, and he was very nice about the whole thing. And wonderfully, he stuck with me through, through it all, and he's encouraging my heart in the gospel. He could be taking life easy, but instead he has a higher priority, encouraging the hearts of God's people.
And friend, may every trustworthy believer in this room inconvenience themselves for the encouragement of their brothers and sisters in Christ. May every regenerate introvert in this room choose to linger at the end of services in order to encourage the hearts of your brothers and sisters here and know how to be praying for them in the week to come. May no one in this church ever go without because those who have been entrusted with more are willing to share what they have. And may every trustworthy believer visit the sick and and visit the most vulnerable in their homes or at their hospital beds. And may every Christian make a conscious decision to sing as awkwardly and as embarrassingly loud as possible to encourage the person next to you with our psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, whether or not they're hard of hearing. Here is God's indirect blessing through Tychicus. And may we be marked with a life like his. But I want us to see second, blessing via God. Blessing via God. Look at verses 23 and 24. Paul writes there, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul brings this letter to a close now with two verses that are part letter part prayer. And, and Paul's hope was, was for the Ephesian church to receive, or to, to experience rather, what they had already received in Christ. Just think about that for a moment with me. Verse 23, peace be to the brothers. Well, peace is what they already had In Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And then later Paul writes, and he Christ Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who were near. Peace was what they had in Christ. And peace was what they were to know among themselves. Peace to be, be to the brothers, verse 23 again, and love with faith. Well, again, love is what they had in Christ Jesus. Of course it was. Love by the ocean load in the Christ of the gospel, Ephesians 2. But God being rich in mercy, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ because of the great love with which he loved us. And it was... Christ, who in Ephesians 5, we're told, loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love was theirs and love was what they will continue to know. Love with faith, Paul writes, meaning I think for us to receive this love habitually by faith in the one who loved us first, namely Jesus. And the same was true for grace. Paul writes, our, or, or praise rather, verse 24 again, grace be with all. Well, grace is what we have. Grace was what they had in Christ. Ephesians 2 again, by grace you have been saved. But grace is what we are to know among ourselves. You see that? I wonder if you know that the 
the ancient pyramids in, in Egypt were actually flooded with light on the inside, not because they had windows on the exterior of the structures, but because of the strategic placement of mirrors. It's so fascinating. There'd usually be a, a mirror positioned in the entrance to the pyramid. The sun would shine on it, and it would be strategically positioned to shine light onto this mirror over here, which was strategically placed to shine light onto this mirror over there, so that in the end, light would zigzag through the entire structure, and the whole thing would be flooded with light. And as the light of God's peace, love, and grace shines upon us, we are called to be a church of mirrors reflect, reflecting that peace, love, and grace onto one another. So friends, allow me to say this. If you can see peace, love, and grace in this text, then endeavor to see peace, love, and grace in this church. If you have received peace, love, and grace from God in Christ, then let us spend our lives reflecting that onto one another. Why? Well, because you and I need to belong to a church that is marked by such things. We live in a world that knows very little peace, very little love, and very little grace. And if we're not careful, the lovelessness, the peacelessness and the gracelessness of our world can start to rub off on us. Maybe you're here today and there is very little peace in your home. Sometimes it feels like you, you live in a, a, a war zone. Maybe your husband does not share your faith or your love in Christ. And so it feels like you are constantly pulling in opposite directions as you seek to lead your family this way and he seeks to lead the family that way. And the restlessness of it all reduces the peace that you have in Christ down to a mere word, a concept, a theory, with no power to it at all. But then you show up here, and the peace that we have in Christ, received by the one who loved us and gave himself for us, for our peace with God, shines onto you, and all of a sudden, it goes from being a theory to a life-giving reality. Maybe you're here today, and there's very little love in your school. Basically, everything is a jostling for position on the pecking order or for popularity. And you, you go up and down on that uh, on the basis of how much activity you're able to generate on social media or maybe how, how rebellious you're willing to be in the playground or something like that. And so the, the love of God in Christ doesn't blow your mind. It doesn't thrill your heart because you've been living in a loveless atmosphere all week long. But then you come here to a church of mirrors and the love of God in Christ shines on you no matter who you are, no matter who you aren't, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done. And all of a sudden your stone cold heart feels like it is beating again because the love of Jesus Christ has raised it from the dead. 
Or maybe the culture in your, your workplace is a, maybe a bit of a cutthroat culture. You don't need a, a business degree, degree to know that businesses don't thrive on giving their employees what they absolutely do not deserve, uh, which is what grace is. No, instead, businesses thrive on very high-performing employees. And so your stats are always being checked. Uh, your targets are always being double-checked. And so you, you wake up on a Sunday morning, and it's not amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Instead, it's what grace? But then you show up here, and the grace of God given to us in Christ shines onto us like mirrors, and it shines onto you. And all of a sudden, you find that you have comfort again and assurance and again and stability again because the grace of God in Jesus Christ feels real to you again. Now church, do let me say this from the bottom of my heart. I count it a high privilege to belong to this church because I believe that peace, love, and grace does exist among us in large part. And so I would say to us what the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonian church when he said, we urge you brothers to do this more and more. But I will challenge us on this. Be the first. Be the first mirror on the entrance into the pyramid in order for the, the peace, love, and grace of God to flood this local church. Be the first to make peace, not the last. Be the first to demonstrate love, not the last. Be the first to show grace, not the last. Don't have an attitude that says, well, I will if you will. Because that is not the way you learned Christ. And don't say to yourself, well, look, I've, I've only been a Christian for, for five minutes. That's fine. H have you received the peace of God? Have you received the love of God in Christ? Have you received the grace of God at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, then, friend, like a mirror, shine it onto others. And put the gospel on display by going First, Do you know what, friends? My war-torn soul needs to belong to a church like that, and so does yours. And you know what? The world needs us to be a church like that too. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean this. Although our world prides itself on being all about peace, all about tolerance, all about virtues like that, we have created the most peaceless, the most anti-tolerance, uh, the most unloving culture imaginable. We, we pride ourselves on tolerance until the person of the world is sat next to someone that they disagree with. And then all of a sudden we live in a cancel culture where one wrong tweet or one wrong post on X or whatever is today ends your career, ends your reputation, ends your life. And therefore, the best thing that we can do is be the church. The best thing that we can do is to be the church, dare I put it like this, that Jesus Christ would be proud of. Why? Because we are putting his peace, his love, and his grace on display wherever you look in the fellowship.
It demonstrates the reality of what the world is chasing. Demonstrates the reality of what the world can only pay lip service to. And listen, if you're here today and you are not yet a Christian, but perhaps you have seen peace, love, and grace in this church. Let me tell you where you can receive it for yourself. The cross of Christ. Because it was there at the cross that the just judgment and wrath and, and, and fury of God was poured out on Christ in order for us to, to receive the peace, love, and grace of God. And the truth is, if you will humble yourself before the cross today, and you will repent and believe on the one who hung and suffered and died there, he will clothe you with the peace, love, and grace of God, and you will be saved. Friend, listen, the door is wide open. Come in and be a part of the new creation, which is the church of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us for a second. Father, we